everybody. Welcome to the Vikings and Chicago Bears. Absolutely played a football game at Soldier Field. It happened, and it happened very much in the way that we expected it to happen, which was ugly, strange, kind of miserable. But instead of the Vikings blowing it at the very end, they came through, and they end up getting an interception, winning the game against... Tyson Bajant? All right, we need to get into all of this. Matthew Collar here, as always. Dane Mizutani from the Pioneer Press with me. Where would you like to begin? The Minnesota Vikings are 2-4, and four, and if you knew nothing else about how it went and I just told you they won, you'd say, oh, all right, well, I guess the season's back on. But uh, the details do matter here. Do they not, Dane? They absolutely do, and, and I think the saying is a win is a win. You'll take it, whatever, move on. A win is a win. They are 2-4, and four, and that is a factual statement. But there's no way you can exit this win, get back on that team plane, back to the Twin Cities, and really feel good about what you just did. Because at the end of the day, you struggled to beat an undrafted rookie quarterback named Tyson Bagent out of I don't even know where. Shepherd University. Shepherd University, who was filling in for Justin Fields, who also did not play well all of those things and and you were an interception away just where Tyson Banger just throws the ball up at the end if he doesn't throw that up they might lose the Vikings might lose the game because they couldn't really stop the Bears with any sort of regularity on the ground in the second half it did seem like that running game started to get going as as many plays as the defense made for the Vikings Um, there there were just stretches where they couldn't even stop the Bears and then on the flip side of that, uh, the Vikings offensively, in their first game without Justin Jefferson, nothing from this game showed you, okay, things are going to get better when, when they learn how to live life without Jefferson. Um, I think they were 2 for 13 on, on third down, two first downs in, in the second half as a whole. Kirk Cousins looked uncomfortable. Uh, the, the pass catchers not named Justin Jefferson were fine, unspectacular, I, I would say. Um, so I just don't know how you can leave this game saying, okay, let's just bank a couple more wins and hopefully Justin gets back and we can really hit the gas. Because right now, uh, this team looks like a, a team that is going to just get throttled next week by an angry, angry San Francisco 49ers team that just lost. Yeah, I think that everything has to be looked at with context. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings had had a really good start to their season and then Justin Jefferson went out, and they were, say, 3-2, and two, trying to go to 4-2 and two here today. Right. And they grind one out, and it's a great performance by the defense when it mattered. They get a bunch of turnovers. I think we would say, hey, who cares? Like, move on, survive in advance. Anything you can do without Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson in, e- even if it's as ugly and as miserable and there's as many failed third downs as I've ever seen in my natural life. Uh, but who cares if you're going to 4-2? and two? But when you are going to two and four and trying to save your season and you're doing it against a team that has pretty much been horrendous this year outside of one and a half games. Mm -hmm. Remember, they barely uh, were ahead of the Broncos at the end of the game and then blew it against Denver, who might be the worst team in the NFL. And then they beat Washington. Congratulations to you on that. But this is not a very good team. It's not a very good quarterback. It's not a very good defense. And to not be able to move the football against a defense that the Broncos did and Washington did. Washington moved the football against them, Mm -hmm. and yet the Vikings failed repeatedly on the ground, repeatedly on third down. And I think it really spoke to 
what they have been all season long, which is an extremely uneven offense. Mm -hmm. And the one factor that would always bring you back to life was Justin Jefferson. And there was no it factor. There was no Jets to turn on because you did not have Justin Jefferson and they just repeatedly failed. And a lot of it is, you know, Kevin O'Connell after the game is talking about close calls and how, well, you know, if we only kind of caught that or you only kind of caught that, but that's what happens when you don't have greatness. And look, Jordan Addison, it would have been an amazing catch if he got there, but there were so many checkdowns on third and long and mm-hmm. just don't make a mistake type of football from Kirk Cousins that came this close came came a uh Bajent drive away from them having an all-time loss here at Soldier Field I mean it was way 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 too close for comfort and there wasn't a whole lot here to give you confidence that there is some turnaround that is forthcoming wouldn't it have been something if, if Tyson Bajent was the reason the Vikings season went completely off the rails? It's already off the rails. They are 2-4, and four, and like you said, context matters. This is a 2-4 and four football team that in both of their wins, the win over Carolina two weeks ago and the win over Chicago today, they needed some wonky, weird scoop-and-score touchdown. It was DJ Wanham two weeks ago in Charlotte. It was Jordan Hicks today on Tyson Bajan's third snap ever in his entire NFL life. Those are unsustainable ways to continue to win games. And in a lot of ways, those are the only reasons that the Vikings have wins under their belt right now. Who knows what happens in Carolina two weeks ago if DJ Wanham doesn't scoop and score? Who knows what happens if Jordan Hicks doesn't scoop and score today? I'll tell you what, the offense wasn't moving the ball. They weren't going to score points that way, so they needed the defense to bail them out today. Um, If you want to latch on to something, it's that the defense looked pretty good. But at the same time, they looked good against the Bears. They looked good against Justin Fields, Tyson Bajan. It's just overall, this team continues to show that they do lack that oomph, that it factor. Um, Like you said, the only it factor on this team right now is Justin Jefferson, and he's out for at least a month, maybe longer. And I, I just don't see how this team after watching them again, and we've watched them for now for six weeks, uh, I, I, I don't see how they're much more than just an average football team. And an average isn't going to get it done. Um, an average is maybe the worst thing you can be because they probably are average enough where they're going to win a handful of games this year because there maybe are teams worse than them. Uh, but at the end of the day, where does that take you? Um, it's just kind of a directionless, rudderless group right now. Um, and and I, I get it. We're, we're, we're not trying to pile on after a win. It's just the reality. Um, they won the football game today, 19-3. to um, But I don't think you can feel good about it. No, I don't think so either. I mean, there was really nothing to grip onto aside from, hey, Daniil Hunter made some plays. He's still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Metellus had a great game. He's become part of the defense. We knew that. And uh, the bad luck, good luck, you know, we're always keeping this meter now mm-hmm. of who's got good luck, who's got bad luck. I would say that it has been a bit evened out in their wins. Like you said, two defensive touchdowns, but also Kirk Cousins throws a interception slash fumble. I think it went down as a fumble, fumble. right to uh, Tremaine Edmonds. He ends up recovering it. And then immediately Justin Fields turns around and gives the ball right back. 
And there were so many opportunities for Chicago to win this game. Uh, so many times that the Vikings just gave them the ball back, but not even gave them the ball back, gave it to them quickly. Mm -hmm. Once again, an opponent absolutely dominated the time of possession. And this is one of the worst opponents in the entire National Football League that you can face. But that was the same case in Carolina, mm -hmm. where this defense, yeah, they made some plays today, but there's a different narrative if they don't catch the ball that pops up in the air for Jordan Hicks or if he doesn't pick it up and nobody's in front of him and the way that it sort of kicks around. And we like to play that game with both sides of what you know went right for you, what went wrong. Well, the bounces bounced right to them today to get this win the same way they did in Carolina where Bryce Young couldn't identify blitzes, which neither can Justin Fields. Bryce Young's got an excuse, though. We'll talk about that later. But the offensive inconsistency still existed with Justin Jefferson and was still frustrating on a weekly basis, but they would always survive. I thought after, I think it was like the second play of the game, they threw a 15-yard pass or maybe first play to Jordan Addison. And I was, I was like, all right, you've got my attention. Like, let's see how this goes because we know Addison's talent. We know his ability to get open. And let's, let's see a big day from him. Let's see, you know, a 100-yard day. And I don't know if it was Jordan Addison or if it was Kirk Cousins in the one play, you know, okay, bombs don't always connect. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very hard to convert. And maybe it's a, tight, a tad bit overthrown. I, I don't know, whatever. Like, that's not a big deal to me. It was really the fact that they could not consistently get the ball to him. And I'm sorry, is Alexander Madison Marshall Falk? Because, like, why, first of all, why is he in the game the whole game? Yeah. He did not block a guy on uh, the fumble, fumble. interception uh, that Kirk Cousins had. I mean, he sort of got a shoulder into him, but it wasn't enough. He didn't stick the guy in place. He didn't run anywhere. He dropped the screen pass. The screen passes were ineffective. And yet I saw nary a Cam Akers. I believe there was one carry mm -hmm. from Cam Akers. Make it make sense. Like why there was so much Alexander Madison in this game and why he was so featured even in the passing game when... Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, the whole conversation this week was, hey, you know, you lose Jefferson, but there's lots of great weapons here. Cousins said that this was the best group of weapons he feels like he's ever had from top to bottom and yet could not get going with those weapons. And it doesn't give you a whole lot of belief that, okay, now you're going to go to San Francisco. Green Bay's got a better defense than Chicago. Their field is just as gnarly as this one is. So mm -hmm. that's why you come out of a win, and I'm sure people will say, okay, well, the season's still alive, and they could do this, that, and the other thing. But relative to the opponent, what, what, what's supposed to convince me that that's going to be the case? Yeah, no, nothing. Because uh, I, I hear what you said about Jordan Addison, the first two plays of the game or whatever it was, when he runs that like pretty much a stop route at, at 15 yards depth and catches the ball and it looked like maybe they could get things rolling um, and I think the way it was framed this whole week leading up to this game on Sunday was yeah we're gonna miss Justin but Jordan is really special and you're gonna get to see something out of Jordan and and you're gonna get to see something out of TJ Hawkinson um, you know he'll be more featured than before he didn't have a target until like deep into the second quarter I think he ends up finishing with 60 something yards and, and a lot of that is aided by a, a pretty long catch along the sideline um, but just across the board uh, there, there there was nothing about this offense that, that really proved to you okay like I, I can see growth I can see steps that they can take over the next few weeks and, and maybe they can start humming um, it really does go back to 
oh, this offense was always just kind of a stagnated group that had the best player in the NFL at his position um, to really take them over the top. Uh, if Justin Jefferson was playing today, they probably blow the Bears out because he does something special and he and he makes a few plays and he goes for 150 even though they're double, triple, quadruple teaming him. Well, when you don't have that player, uh, they still need to prove to me that, th- that they are going to be able to move the ball because I, I remember talking to you this week, caller, and it was, I don't know if the Vikings are going to know how to play offense without Justin Jefferson, and I don't know that they do yet. And, and, and right now, there, there's no indicator um, that it's going to get better. I, I, I thought maybe the run game could be something you could rely on today. And, and, and Alexander Madison was not it. I do not understand why Cam Akers didn't get more tick because we've seen that guy. He has a little wiggle. He has a little pop. Um, I, I think he was a block away, and Kevin O'Connell alluded to this after the game. I, it was one of his only carries of the game, but he was one block away from really hitting it big. Um, but how many times do you see Alexander Madison and it looks like a seams there and then it just goes for like six yards, seven yards, um, gets tackled you know, before the sticks. Um, I think Alexander Madison is a, is a good football player that's being asked to do probably a bit too much right now. And I think that's a big reason the running game has struggled. Uh, I would like to see more Cam Akers moving forward, but maybe there's a reason we haven't seen him because I, I don't know what other reason it, there there could be that in a game where the offense is struggling, you don't just try something different, question mark? Like, so right now, uh, you know, you you walk away from this game, particularly on the offensive side, and, and just not feeling good at all. Um, you, you, you can hold on to some things from the defensive side like we talked about, but right now you're going to need to be able to move the football over the next month, and then there's nothing that when the opponents get better um, suggests that the Vikings are going to get better at doing that. And this game, and usually we kind of work our way through the game and get to the big picture, but we'll get to the big picture now instead. It does not say to me you can't trade anybody. No. Now, what it does say is, hey, everybody else, did you see Daniil Hunter? Woo, boy. Gets after the quarterback like second-round pick gets after the Mm -hmm. quarterback, and maybe uh, this Jordan Hicks guy, he could still play. That's a veteran leader out there. He can help your team. That would be more of my takeaway than, oh, Oh, they're back. This was the real Vikings. This was a, this was the team that you expected. And and look, there's if they had come into Chicago and won 32 to 4, I would not have been like, "Oh, okay, wow, season's back on," uh, just because we know the climb that they have to make in order to get back to the playoffs. But winning this way is just so wildly unimpressive mm-hmm. that it shouldn't change the way that they feel about where their team is at, about what their playoff odds are. And yeah, we're always going to look at point differential. They've still got a negative point differential on the season overall. They still have as middling of an offense as you can have in the NFL. They don't convert third downs. They don't generally, they only, were only in the red zone once today, but have not been a great red zone team they're not an explosive running team without Justin Jefferson they're not an explosive passing team all that stuff should not change how we felt going into this even though we talked about it as if it was a swing game for hey if you lose it's over if you win the season's kind of back on a little bit but I don't really feel that way in fact I kind of feel like sort of in the middle because technically speaking yeah you've got San Francisco Despite a bad performance by Brock Purdy, your defense is not Cleveland's defense by any means. And then Green Bay, yes, you can win that. New Orleans lost to the Texans today, I think. 
Is that who they played? Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Like they can they can lose that. They can win that game. They could beat Atlanta. Desmond Ritter's still bad at football. You can talk yourself into all these things, but then you come back to you beat Carolina and the Bears, who have a case for drafting number one and two next year by a grand total of fourteen National Football League points. Not great. Not impressive. And I don't know what the answer is because. By this time, the teams have kind of separated themselves, and also your team has kind of shown who they are. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about Madison, the run game, and like for a minute there was, are they Dalton Reisner away? And probably not. Uh, We'll see if he's in at left guard now that Ezra Cleveland got banged up. But they clearly are just not going to be a consistent anything. And especially if they can't run the ball very well, which I, I think it's just time to start using Cam Akers a lot more. Yeah, I, I do think Cam Akers should get more tick moving forward. I would be surprised if he doesn't. Um, kind of stinks for him that if this is the game that he gets featured, he has to go up against that San Francisco 49ers defense because he's not going to look good against them either. Uh, but going back to your point about uh, these guys looked good. Maybe anybody anybody wanted Daniel Hunter? Uh, two sacks today for Daniel Hunter. He looked great. Um, he, he's an impactful player that can help a team that is trying to win a Super Bowl win games. He can do that. And that's a fact. And then it's someone you see it week in, week out. You're probably going to continue to see it. Um, so it, if that's what this game was good for, if it increases Daniel Hunter's trade value, maybe that's the biggest win you take away outside of the actual win. KJ Osborne had four catches for 48 yards or something. I mean, I don't know what you're going to get for KJ Osborne, but he's a, he's a pending free agent. Maybe someone would give you any sort of pick for him. It is kind of that you know narrative still exists of should they sell should they be sellers at at this deadline on on october 31st and and yeah normally a win would would make you step back and say well maybe they should reconsider this but nothing about today shows you that they should reconsider this um because i think each game moving forward, we're probably going to be sitting in whatever press box we're in, whether it's U.S. Bank Stadium, Soldier Field, I don't know, wherever else we go, the Superdome. And, you know, I, it, it's just going to be the same sort of rhetoric after each game because there, there is no path forward, I think, of, of, okay, they're going to take a huge step here on offense, or they're going to take a huge step here on defense. The reason that we walk away from today feeling better about the defense has less to do with the Vikings and the talent they have around them, and more to do with the opponent. So if each week, how you feel about this team moving forward is hinged solely on who you play against, um, that's not a good football team. That's just, you are kind of what you are. And I think we're going to see that over and over and over again um, because for six weeks, they have shown what they are and, and it's just kind of average. Folks, there is no busier time for me than the fall. And that means I'm always running out the door and grabbing fast food on the way to cover football. Well, Factor is helping me stop doing that. Factor has convenient meals for my jam-packed days. They are America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and they can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time 
eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. You could choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences already in just two minutes. Relish all the best of autumn with fall flavors. They're limited-time-only hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops. Again, ready in just two minutes. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without any hassle. Try their dietitian approved calorie smart meals around or less than 550 calories per serving or protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash purple50 and use the code purple50 to get 50% off. That is code purple50 at factormeals.com slash purple50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I also wish coming out of here that there was something really juicy to talk about that would be a statement we could use to talk about them going forward. But today they were who we think they are in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of curious to see if we got proven a little bit different on that. Like if we got like, oh, well, okay, well, with Jefferson out, they were able to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and really get rolling and so forth. And the fact that they weren't was kind of what everybody thought, Mm -hmm. that they weren't really going to be able to do that. And after the game, you know, Kevin O'Connell's like, oh, I was happy with a lot of the decisions Kirk Cousins made. And I don't know who that says more about, like where the bar is for Kirk Cousins that this type of game where he averaged 5.8 yards per pass attempt his coach is saying no that was pretty good was it i mean i guess for sean Mannion, that would have been just fine if he had started today Mm -hmm. it would have been probably about the same performance there wasn't a single special throw or special play that was made and when we talk about trading kirk cousins there would have to be somebody who's convinced that there was a reason to trade for him he hasn't been a difference making quarterback all season and no i'm not blaming kirk or whatever after a win but once again you hope that your quarterback can take like a little bit of a step forward Mm -hmm. with your big guy out and kind of step into that light and say, all right, I'm going to be the one that makes the plays here. And we got check downs to Brandon Powell on third down and long. It's like, well, okay, that seems about what usually happens if Justin Jefferson is not a factor in the game. So nothing was different. What I would say about, and I want to get into Justin Fields, because to me that conversation is more exciting than talking about like, what happened on Greg Joseph's blocked extra point? Though I did call this in the Uber. We were taking down Uber from yep. the airport. which is a long way to the stadium. And I said, you know what? I feel like kicking's been out of the limelight. Something's going to happen with the kicking. And it did, but it didn't matter. So almost mattered, but it, it, almost, it almost mattered. mattered. That's a, what really one matters. point loss was right there for the taking. And when they scored, I was just like yeah. soldier field, huh? but the soldier field curse is over. Once they put in the new turf, It's just different. Uh, I want to say before we get into that conversation about Justin Fields and where the Bears are at and how they might benefit from this 
And we might go back someday and go, yeah, that Vikings game was the time that really made the decision for Ryan Poles and the Bears that it was over. And how funny that it was the Vikings that turned that corner for them. Yeah. Uh, I do think Brian Flores is good at his job. I think he only has so much to work with. One of those things is Daniil Hunter, who was just terrific in this game. DJ Wanham will really miss Justin Fields when he's a backup for the Buccaneers two years from now. But I think he's got good game plans. I see a lot of quarterbacks who are not even there. There was a little bit of this with Mahomes. Herbert looks pretty comfortable, but most quarterbacks this year against the Vikings have looked a little unstable at trying to figure out where things are going, like where who's dropping back. At one point, Harrison Phillips dropped back, and I went like, okay, well, sure, well, let's do it. Let's let's confuse the heck out of everybody and have him drop back in coverage. I think that that is real, even if Justin Fields couldn't spot a wide-open receiver if he was the only person on earth. Yeah, and and – Maybe that's a good thing to latch on to because for the first couple of weeks of the season, you know, you look at the, the the week one game against Tampa Bay where he the defense looked good for a half and then looked pretty bad for, in the second half. You look at the week two game uh, against Philadelphia where there was not an adjustment made. The week three game against the Los Angeles Chargers where there wasn't an adjustment made. And you were starting to wonder, like, are these game planned? Is, is Brian Flores capable of making these adjustments? But then you see the next three weeks and how it looks. Um, even last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought the defensive game plan worked. Um, and I think the fact that they're switching up these game plans week to week, um, this week against Justin Fields, it was clearly let's confuse the heck out of him, let's blitz him sometimes, let's drop guys into coverage, let's make him read a defense, which he cannot do. Um, you see that the, the, the game plan's, are working and just because they didn't work for the first couple of weeks of the season I think that was more to do with the talent that that Brian Flores has at his disposal and not his ability to coach up a defense and scheme up a plan uh, to make the other team uncomfortable so yeah I mean the the Vikings have someone in in Brian Flores who at least moving forward I think if you get him some players, um, you're going to have a good defense. Um, he was never going to be someone who could take the 31st-ranked defense with all the talent they lacked and make them a top-10 defense. But we're going to see incremental steps forward, um, and we're starting to see them. I think, yeah, they, they probably do have a good good defensive coordinator on their hands who is going to continue to make offenses uncomfortable. Will that equate to wins? I don't know, but but that's a good sign. So the thing is for me is – Last year, the bad quarterbacks looked good. Daniel Jones, Correct. not good. Uh, but he looked great, earned himself a lot of money. Mike White, career backup at best, but not a guy you can really win with, brought the Jets back in a game mm-hmm. versus the Vikings, looked totally comfortable. We have not seen the couple of bad quarterbacks that they face look comfortable at all. And there's a baseline there where Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes didn't have the game of the century against them, but still they scored a, you know, a good amount of points against the Vikings, and that offense isn't that great. But, the, but even at times, Jalen Hurts looked a little bit shaky. Even at times, Baker Mayfield in the first half and then was more comfortable in the second but when we take the totality 
of this season so far, I think that they've been an average defense with below average talent. Sure. And that to me is a, is a good sign for Brian Flores. And if you can make the bad quarterbacks look bad, well, I mean, that's a start because that's where, you, I mean, that's where you get a lot of your wins in the NFL. There's only like nine teams that matter and all the rest of them you should beat if you're a, a legit team and you should cause problems for them. There's only 14 quarterbacks who can play. Everybody else stinks in the NFL and you should win those games and you should hold them to 19 points and you should make them look bad. Uh, 13 points, I mean, and you should make them look bad as Flores' defense has done the last two weeks. So I have a lot of trust in him, but I also don't think this season's getting him a head coaching job. So in a way, like, it could play out in their favor to have been kind of middling, but also we saw all the signs of things that could be really good with a little more talent. And we'll see what happens with Marcus Davenport. And I saw, you know, everyone's going to say, here he goes again. He's hurt. This was a this was a bad luck thing, actually, mm-hmm. from Davenport this time. But on the Bears side, tunnel vision fields, can't see anything, can't identify anything, and the only way he can ever make plays is by running and scrambling. He doesn't make plays off schedule where things go wrong and then he throws the ball to somebody like Mahomes or anyone with good pocket sense at all. And he's just a turnover machine waiting to happen. This this, this is it for me. This is all I needed to see. I wanted to give Field some time because usually a team doesn't tank in someone's second and third years. Mm-hmm. But DJ Moore is legit. That dude can play. The catch he made from Bajan at the end of the game where he just went up in between two guys, caught it, went down hard. He's a great player. Mooney can play a little bit. They got tight ends who could catch the ball, two of them. They could run the ball today. I think Fields just can't play. I, I think it's over, which means that now they're going to be in the running to draft Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick or Drake May, I guess, if that ever becomes a discussion. This this was the, wow, he had a great game, and that, oh, no, 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 back to earth for the Chicago Bears. That is the most interesting development that could have long-term implications that comes out of this game. Yeah, isn't that interesting that the Vikings today might be the reason the Bears decide, yeah, we do need to draft Caleb Williams. Because for the past two weeks, when Justin Fields in defeat but looked pretty dang good against the Denver Broncos, who stink, by the way. He just looked good against a bad team. And then Justin Fields looked pretty dang good against the Washington Commanders, who also stink, and he just looked good against a bad team. I think there was some sort of well, maybe Justin Fields is okay. Maybe we can fix this. Maybe we don't need to draft a quarterback. Maybe this is something where if we just surround him with more talent, um, he can play the position and and we can really take off in, in, in year three with him. No. And today was proof of that. Um, but the fact that the Vikings are trying to hold on and, and scrap together this season, if the byproduct of that is that they just let the Bears convince themselves that they need Caleb Williams, and now you got to deal with that guy for a decade. Um, I mean, frankly, this was probably they were going to come to that realization, whether it was this week or five weeks from now with Justin Fields. Um, but this is probably the tipping point for me as well. I know it is for you. Uh, yeah, that guy, this guy just isn't going to be a, a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, he he can't read a defense and and you're right when you say a lot of these times when when these mobile athletic quarterbacks break contain they're keeping their eyes down the field they can make a huge play happen because 
once they they move that pocket or they they make the first guy miss um, there's a receiver running wide open in space well, Justin Fields doesn't see that guy because he's just running the ball t- turning his you know turning the corner and, and trying to eat up as much yards as he can with his legs um, it was pretty much the only way he was effective today against the Vikings um, before he got knocked out and and I just don't see moving forward how, how, how the Bears are going to feel any differently about this guy because he's probably going to continue to kind of show you who he is. I have a couple more thoughts about things that happened today, but since we're on the subject, who would you rather be right now as a franchise, Vikings or Bears? Probably the Bears because I, I think I'm going to have a real shot at, at drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May, and then I'm going to have a really good shot at also be, probably being able to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., um, the only argument for the Vikings is you have Justin Jefferson, you have a future Hall of Famer, and there's no guarantee, even though we've crowned Caleb Williams as the best prospect since Andrew Luck, there's no guarantee he turns out. There's no guarantee that, that Marvin Harrison is at any point in his career better than Justin Jefferson is right now. Um, so maybe you, you could make the argument for the Vikings, but I, I would be I would rather be the Bears because of just honestly like the wonder or like the the chance of okay what could we be down the road we know what the vikings are right now and if they throw it in reverse and they can get themselves into uh, the conversation for you know a franchise quarterback maybe you could you could change my mind um but right now i'd rather have the team that i'd rather be the team that could likely have picks number one and number two in the 2024 draft Folks, if you've been listening to the show, then you know how much fun we have been having with prize picks this year. Just go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And let me tell you how it works. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough yet or you haven't tried it yet, very simple. There are yardage totals on prize picks. You either pick more or less and boom, you are playing. So last week, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a very tough week. I went Kirk Cousins more than 250 yards, Justin Fields more than 196, and Jordan Addison more than 54. And I went 0 for 3. This is by far my worst week. So this week, I have to bounce back. Each week has been a roller coaster ride of fun. And the best part is that when I have a bad week, I didn't lose much. It doesn't cost much to play. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 very easily. And if things go sideways for you, you're not out a whole heck of a lot of money. But normally, I do much better than this. So that is prizepicks.com slash purple. Just more or less on yardage totals and you are in. prizepicks.com slash purple. The code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. Folks, if you know me, then you understand how much I love going to sporting events. When I go to another city, what's the first thing I look for? Who else is playing when I'm going there to cover a game? And I'll tell you what I'm using now these days to buy those tickets is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting excited for the fun that you're going 
going to have. They have flash deals, last minute tickets, and it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You get images of seats, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and so forth with game time. It is the place to be for last minute ticket deals and the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code insider for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code insider for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, and when you look at the Texans, you would have said six months ago or whatever, before the draft, oh, what a disaster franchise that is. I mean, who would want to ever be the Houston Texans? And then, oh, I think you want to be the Houston Texans Mm -hmm. now. But that's, of course, they got the quarterback situation. Looks like pretty right with C.J. Stroud. And Will Anderson looks like a great player as well. Mm -hmm. As you said, no guarantees. And, of course, we're doing this right after Caleb Williams had his worst game. I implore you to go look at the time Peyton Manning threw four picks. It does happen to college quarterbacks. But uh, I I mostly agree. But the Bears also have a long way to go for the players the Vikings already have. And I mean, like, Derrissaw, Jefferson. I mean, you know, Moore is really good, but he's not Justin Jefferson. And then Brian O'Neill. These are going to be long-term parts of this team. But aside from that, though, when you start comparing the who are the great players, the offensive tackles are great. And Fields' is, uh, offensive line doesn't do him a ton of favors. He makes them look worse. Mm-hmm. I thought that Bajent made that clear later in the game mm-hmm. when he was dropping back, finding guy to throw to, letting it go, and like they move an offense. Crazy how that works. Uh, and I could see why they liked him, actually. Aside from his wacky plays where he turned the ball over and tried to do too much, he actually was delivering what he was supposed to do on the offense and not just sputtering back there, which is worse evidence against Justin Fields. But the point just being that outside of two offensive tackles, which are very important, you go to the defensive side, you compare these teams player for player. Okay, Jordan Hicks and Daniil Hunter, the stars of today's ball game, are either these guys here one year from now? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Um, looking at you know where they are in their careers. Maybe Hicks continues to come back for veteran leadership, but certainly not Daniil Hunter with his, uh, his contract situation, the possibility that he won't be here several weeks from now, and he really you know is making an argument for any team, come get me because I'm balling out once again now for the, the second straight year coming off his injury. So there is that case that the offensive line is a little more settled. Garrett Bradbury is back and is continuing to play well and all that. But aside from that, you know, it's, it is hard. The only thing that the Vikings have going for them is historically the number one pick is not always the best quarterback. Sometimes they are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're not. Uh, Recently we've seen Mahomes, Tua, Herbert, lots of good quarterbacks who were not the first overall draft pick turn out to be good but Lawrence and Williams are probably in that Andrew Luck uh, elite prospect conversation so that Mm -hmm. this continues to be the race for which rebuild works better and there was no real corner turn for the Vikings today there would have been had they lost this game and it would have gone down as an all-time hilarious loss at Soldier Field but it might have been a corner turn for the Chicago Bears Uh, to think that, okay, now we absolutely need to do what needs to be done, and they might just keep playing Bajan the rest of the way if they know that that's where they want to be. And last year we saw them basically do that Mm -hmm. in the final week of the season. 
what is your feeling about TJ Hawkinson after today? Uh, another drop, it looks like, or another, was it a hard catch? Was it not? Made a couple of plays, but in no way was the, oh, Jefferson's out. Now we can lean on our highly paid tight end. There's still something that's not quite working there in my mind. Yeah, the the drop that he had today, and I'll call it a drop. Um, it's in another example of all the drops he's had where, yeah, that would have been a really tough catch to make, but yeah, you're the highest paid tight end, at least by average annual value. You should make that, that play. Um, and there just hasn't been a lot of playmaking ability from TJ Hawkinson this year. Um, so I leave this game where he finishes, let me look it up with six catches for 50 yards. So I thought he was at 60 yards. He wasn't even there. Um, this felt like an opportunity for them to really lean on TJ Hawkinson or make him like a focal point in the game plan. It's not fair what I'm about to say because Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Um, But when the Vikings played the Kansas City Chiefs last week and in a gotta have it drive, Patrick Mahomes threw it to him five times. They marched right down the field. Travis Kelsey made a ridiculous catch that gained them a first down on third down and forced the Vikings to burn it, lose a timeout because Kevin O'Connor threw the challenge flag when he shouldn't have. Um, And they marched right down the field and they scored a touchdown on the back of Travis Kelsey. In the game this past Thursday, Travis Kelsey had 100 yards receiving in the first half. Like, he is a difference maker tight end. The Vikings paid TJ Hawkinson like a difference maker tight end, and I'm not sure he is a difference maker tight end. Um, I think we're supposed to believe he is, and I think there are things about him, his frame, his ability to get open, um, his ability to make plays at his size. I think there are reasons to believe that he is a guy who can and be that but he hasn't shown us that yet he hasn't shown us that he can be this guy you can lean on when the best receiver in football you know is hurt for a month and and he didn't do that today um when i think this was a pretty big opportunity for him to kind of prove yeah i I deserve the money i got and i'm going to be a playmaker for this team for a long time to come Yeah, and I guess there are parts of me that wonders about with him and Addison just, I mean, how much is it that Kirk Cousins always seems like a tick off this year? Mm -hmm. And this is every game where he has seemed just ever so slightly behind, whether it was, and now we're starting to rack up the number of times where this has happened, where these, especially these third downs, Mm -hmm. where he drops back and the protection is fine. It certainly is against this Bears defensive line. All day the protection's mostly fine. And you see guys coming out of their breaks. And just to my eye, it's like oh, football. Like, it's just, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, the, the Herberts and the Mahomes and the, like on-time quarterbacks, you just think, like, this is where it should come out. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't. And then it goes to Brandon Powell or it goes underneath uh, to Alexander Madison on a third and long. We're just like, this can't really? Like, that's who you're throwing to right now? And I'm sure that when you look back at the tape, you'll see – okay, well, I get what he saw or why he didn't throw it, but he's always had to be an anticipation thrower, and it feels like that's not quite what he's trusting mm-hmm. at this moment, and I wonder how much that plays into, because every T.J. Hawkinson drop has been a dive, a difficult caliber catch, and I think the difference between him and the truly great tight ends, and money is always going to play into it and so forth. You have to overpay when you sign somebody. I always looked at him as about the seventh best tight end in the league, fifth to seventh, somewhere in there. There's a big drop-off after those elite guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we ever thought 
TJ Hawkinson is a contested catch monster who's mossing people like Travis Kelsey does. Travis Kelsey has some of the best hands I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life at tight end. And all of these throws have been just like a little bit off. And the, and the Hawkinson even talked about not being on the same page with him. So it, look, I mean, we're this deep into the season. You should be on the same page with guys, but that's what I keep coming back to with a lot of these individual performances where we've seen the talent from Addison. We've seen the talent in the past from KJ Osborne. We've seen it for TJ Hawkinson a lot last year. And yet there's a lot of these throws where it's like Osborne's diving and can't quite get there. And you go, well, maybe should have had that Addison's diving. Maybe should have had that, but the throw is just a little bit late. And I want to see how this develops through the rest of the season. I mean, next week could be pretty rough, but through the rest of the season with Cousins, as there's this discussion and the Schefter report, he's not going to waive his no trade clause. Uh, Diana Rossini sort of hinting that the Vikings might be interested in keeping him, which just does not seem realistic at all to me. But like mm-hmm. that's sort of out there how we feel about this and were we looking at the players who weren't catching the ball when it was more of the timing of when the ball was coming out or did we overrate these guys because you and me look good when Justin Jefferson's on the other side and I think that's a major part of the discussion as well I don't really know right now we're going to get a bigger sample but I I honestly feel like I don't know yeah and and we are that we don't have to make those sweeping declarations yet you're right because this next month is going to prove a lot of what we want to see because Justin Jefferson will not be there. Everyone, like you said, looks good when Jeff, Justin Jefferson is taking two defenders, three defenders away. But in the next month, I think we will learn how good is Jordan Addison for real. I think he's really good. Um, but I also thought he was really good for the first five weeks because he was running wide open after he beat a guy one-on-one on the backside. Um, he had a touchdown today, so I, I I think Jordan Addison's a playmaker, but is he a guy? Is he a guy you can lean on moving forward? We're going to find out. Is TJ Hawkinson a guy you can lean on? Um, just because he was unspectacular today, maybe he maybe he really puts it together over the next four weeks with, with Justin Jefferson on IR. Um, but I do think it is a good point you make about Kirk Cousins, and, and maybe he's kind of the common denominator holding some of these guys back um, because – you can run the route or be open and if you if the ball doesn't come out on time you're going to look worse in the end um and and I don't know if we're going to find that out at, at any point this year even if Justin Jefferson does come back maybe TJ Hawkinson is better than than I'm giving him credit for and he needs another quarterback to unlock that area of his game uh I think, again, the, 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 the Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson thing, I probably should stop doing it because they're two different players and, and one is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Um, but I would venture to guess Travis Kelsey would probably look a little worse with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback too. So maybe I should handicap that a bit, um, but I do expect the guy who gets the big contract when the other guy didn't get the big contract this offseason, Justin Jefferson, I expect the guy who did, TJ Hawkinson, to be more impactful than he has been and kind of be able to overcome even just maybe middling quarterback play at times. Um, I don't think that's too much to ask for a guy um, who's making the money he does, who is clearly a focal point of this this build, this organizational build with, with Kwesi Dolphamensa kind of leaning in, um, making that trade last year, re-signing him 
to to a big contract. So I, I need more out of him, but I, I think you're right. We'll probably learn everything we want to learn um, over the next month or so when Jefferson's not on the field. And I wondered about the age thing going into the season. I've wondered about it for two years because mm-hmm. of where players go historically who are like Kirk in their mid-30s. I don't know if this is it or not. I mean, he had those great stats to start the season, and maybe that will come back. A lot of that's playing from behind. And uh, today there was a chance to play from ahead and really put the Bears away. There was eight chances to put the Bears away and just bury them and say good night. Let's move along. Let's have a very excellent and confident win. And instead, still a major part of the discussion that this offense that was supposed to be pretty legit has never been this year and then today looked flat out poor Mm -hmm. without Justin Jefferson. If that's what they do next week, they will lose by 40 points to San Francisco. So uh, we will see where it goes from here. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird post game to do when it is a win, but at the same time you feel like they left a lot out there uh, and then we don't have answers to the things we were maybe looking for answers for. So, But that's your post game from Inside Soldier Field. Matthew Collar, Dane Mizutani. We'll be doing it again next week after Monday Night Football. It's going to be late, yeah. but we'll be doing it. We'll be doing it from uh, U.S. Bank Stadium and then Lambeau Field after that, so we'll be here for you every week and lots more to go as well on the channel as always. So thanks for listening and we will catch y'all later.